Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. This episode has been a really long time coming. I've wanted to share about my body and health journey for a really long time, but it's never felt right. And the journey is still ongoing as it probably will be for the rest of my life in, in some ways. But I've recently, even just in the last few days, come to a really powerful place of peace and contentment. And I think even more importantly, understanding around the last 10 years of my life and this journey that I've been on. And so I thought now was a good time to share some stuff with you. Some What I want to share is like in part my journey, because I have a feeling I am not alone in the experience that I've had. And then also a lot of different resources and tools that have been really impactful for me along the way. And this is probably not the last time I will share on this topic. I'm sure as I continue doing more work and healing and learning that there'll be more to share. So let's just say we're going to start here and maybe we'll jump back into this topic in another episode. But my my body journey, and I've only just realized, like really connected the dots in the last few weeks, is so intricately tied to my health journey. What I mean when I say that is I can I can remember having thoughts about my body from a real, I wouldn't say really young age, but like high school two particular experiences I can recall where I was thinking about the size of my body in a way that like I wanted to change it or I would felt like it was big or bigger, which it, which I will say, as I've heard a lot of people say on podcasts that I've been listening to lately, which I'll share with you in a little bit. I will say that I have had the privilege of being in a very a smaller probably compared to the average size body my whole life. And I still am. So I will, I will caveat all this by saying that, but I also want to say that for anyone who is also in a smaller body, but that has struggled with body image for, for however long I see you and I hear you. And just because you're in a smaller body does not invalidate the struggles that you've had. That is the craziness that I've learned about um, and the insidiousness and the toxicity of diet culture is that no matter how small your body is, it's never small enough. Right. But anyway, so I can remember two particular experiences in high school. One, I was putting on a pair of jeans 
and they were tight and they weren't tight before. And for some reason, I don't remember the exact what was going on, but my mom was in my bedroom with me. We must've been talking or something. And I was like, I was like, these jeans are tighter than they were before. Like what the hell? And she's like, yeah, they just came out of the dryer. Clothes are always tight when they come out of the dryer. But there was like this, this like tick in my mind about why they were tighter. And also I can remember in high school so many times. So that was like one particular experience, but lots of times when I was in high school, I can remember I always ate cereal for breakfast, actually just had a bowl of cereal. It was so good. I love cereal. Um, I would always have cereal for breakfast, but then I'd go into school and like before class, we would hang out everyone. I don't know about your high school, but like everyone would hang out in the cafeteria before our first class of the day. And I, and everyone would like be munching on something. And I remember so many mornings I would think about going into school and I would say to myself, okay, not going to get a bagel and cream cheese. I already had breakfast. I'm not going to get anything else when I go to school. Like I'm just going to hang out and then I'm going to go to class. And what would I do? I'd get in there and then I'd get a bagel. And I remember like this little bit of disappointment in myself every time I did that. And at the time I don't, It definitely was not like, um, like it it wasn't like something I necessarily recognized. It was just something that I had, like I didn't have an awareness around why I was feeling that way necessarily. And it wasn't even something that I feel like really stuck around. Like I don't, I remember in college, I definitely put on some of that like freshman 15. And I remember not loving the way my body looked all the time, but it didn't feel like this constant thing. It was just like, I'd, sometimes I'd see photos and I'd be like, man, I'm like, I'm a little bit heavier than I'd like to be. But I worked out. I went to the gym at our um, at school and I enjoyed working out. I enjoyed running on the treadmill and lifting weights and being on the elliptical. And But then I can remember when I, so fast forward to living in San Diego, graduated from college. This was probably... When was this? This was probably two or so years after we moved to San Diego. So maybe 2015. And I remember I I was having really bad digestive issues. All of a sudden, uh, well, going back a little bit in college, I remember one day I was in class and I had, it was eating almonds for a snack. And um, I started getting this like weird, like my ears started getting really hot and my stomach started hurting. I'm like, that's weird. And I ended up leaving class and going home because I really didn't feel well. And I had also a negative experience with eating avocado. I had avocado and guacamole. I'd had it before. And I had a really, really, really bad stomach ache, like so bad that I had to just lay in bed and do nothing. And that happened a couple of times. So at this point, now we're in San Diego. I had graduated college a few years outside of college. I'd been living in San Diego for a few years. And I knew that I had those two issues. And I discovered that I also had an issue with mango, that that mango was really bothering my stomach as well, just like fresh mango. But I started having these consistent stomach attacks. The very first time it happened was my birthday and Ben and I were camping. And I woke up in the middle of the night with so much stomach pain, I could barely breathe. I tried to go to the bathroom. Like I thought maybe I have to poop. Ben and I walked to the bathroom. We were camping. So I like walked outside to the bathroom. I couldn't even stand up straight because my stomach hurt so bad. Finally, it eventually, like maybe after 20 minutes, it faded away and I went to to bed. 
And the next day I woke up, I'm like, that was crazy. I don't know what that was all about. And that started happening. Like once a month that would happen, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with such bad pain. I felt like I needed to crawl out of my skin. Sometimes I was on the ground with pins and needles in my hands and my feet, like just crying in pain, needing this to go away. And like 20 or 30 minutes later, it would go away. So I started, I was like, something needs to happen here. And I wasn't sure what was wrong. I had seen my traditional doctor and I wasn't really getting any answers as I've now learned is like so common with gut issues is that traditional Western medicine typically struggles to diagnose or really understand what's happening there. So I ended up finding this natural path in Solana beach, if you're familiar with San Diego and she uh, diagnosed me with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And she thought that was what was causing the stomach pain. And also at this time I would like, I would randomly get bloated. Like I would eat something that I've eaten a thousand times before, but I would get bloated after eating it. And it wasn't consistent. It was very sporadic. So it was, we didn't really know what it was, but I can remember being in that initial appointment with her and thinking, I had to go on this really, really strict diet. So for SIBO treatment, you, it's like a three month treatment window for the first, like, four to five weeks, you don't drink any alcohol. You can't have any food that's not cooked. And you can only have like, like 12 to 15 foods total. So it's all about like completely eliminating certain things that are basically consistently like inflaming your system. But I can, I so specifically remember sitting in her office and knowing that I was going to lose weight doing this. And I had this just like very deep gut intuitive feeling that that was going to be a bad thing. Cause I knew that if I lost weight, once I started eating regular again and started like weaving other things back into my diet, I was going to put weight back on. And I knew that was going to be difficult for me, but I was like, what am I going to do? I need to do this. You know, I need to do this uh, protocol. I need to fix this problem. And I think that is really where things started. As I look back, I can see that all of the work that I've done. So that was like the first of many, like I just started to learn. I just learned how to start living on a rigid diet at that point. Like I did the protocol, but we tested again and it was like inconclusive of whether or not it worked. So then I took a few months off, but still was sticking to a kind of like rigid protocol and then did it again. And then had like, that wasn't really working. And then like, it just kept coming back, kept coming back. And so I kept seeing someone new and I kept trying a new protocol and I kept trying a new diet. And at the time I had also completely eliminated gluten. I was really low sugar, uh, no cow dairy and no soy. And currently I still do no gluten um, very minimal cow dairy, like only on special occasions and definitely no soy. Soy does not feel good in my body. Um, and I, I'm careful with sugar just because we know as like in the nutrition world, I, I know from what I know that sugar is um, not always the best option for our body. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is I learned how to live on this very rigid way of eating and living. And I believe that that has really, like I've realized 
has really set me up for all of the challenges with body image and all of the pieces that came with that, that I've never realized before. Like I recently realized whenever I eat something like not in the last few weeks, because I'm shifting to a more intuitive eating style, which I'll share about in a minute, but previous, like I don't eat sweets. Let's say I don't buy desserts a lot. Like we don't have it in the house. So if we would go somewhere and I would be like, oh, I'm going to splurge and have sweets. Like I would have so much. I wouldn't say so much to the point of like a binge, um, but I would definitely overdo it. And I always hated that about myself. I'm like, this is so embarrassing that like you just like lose your mind. Like, like, and I would criticize myself for it. And as I've been doing more research and learning lately, I've been seeing that like, that's just the natural response to restriction is then overeating on the other side of that, whether it's because you just have wanted it for so long and it's finally there, or if it's an issue of malnutrition. I don't think for me, it's been an issue of malnutrition because I eat a lot. Um, But it was definitely one of those things where it's like, I restrict, restrict, restrict. So then when I can have it, I eat so much of it because I know I'm going to restrict it again. So these last few weeks have helped me really actually recognize like everything I've just shared with you, I've only recognized in the last few weeks. And I have been very aware of my body image struggles for for so long. I've done so much therapy around it and I've done a lot of coaching where we've talked about it and nothing has really helped me as much as the stuff I've done in the last few weeks and like my life really in the last year. So those are the things that I want to share with you. So the first piece that I think has been so critical in recognizing this and in healing and in finding more peace has been IFS therapy, which is internal family systems. I'll let you go like dig into what it is, but the general principle is that we have like our, we have a self and that's like the leader, the self that's, that's us. But then we're made up of all these parts, like hundreds and hundreds of parts potentially, that have developed over all all the years of our living, the stories, the beliefs, the experiences, all of that develops to create all these different parts. And so in IFS therapy, you work extremely compassionately, which I loved about this healing. You work really compassionately with those parts to really, A, figure out what they are, where they are, what they're saying, why they're there, what they're trying to do for you, because they're all doing something. They're all trying to protect you or help you. They're trying to, they're trying to, you know, be supportive in some way. You work with them and then ideally shift into a space of like healing with them. And the experiences that I had doing this, I had, I think probably six sessions and I have never, I've been in a lot of therapy, a lot of therapy and worked with a number of very, very, very good therapists. I've never had healing like this before. I've never had experiences like this before. I mean, some of the deepest, deepest healing. And we worked together specifically around my body, but every part that we went into was like nothing to do with my body and everything to do with things in childhood and experiences and moments and like like it was just mind blowing. And I would come out of these, there were one hour sessions and I would come out of the session just like, oh my God. Like at one point I was doing in this like visualization while healing this particular part, I was in that visualization. So I was like, just very in it. Like I wasn't, 
you know, like it wasn't like I was in my, my body, like I was in a different place and I was literally like doing Reiki. I don't do Reiki. I'm not a Reiki healer. I was doing like Reiki on my mom and my biological father, like one hand on each of their hearts. Like there's so much more there, but, um, we'll save that for another podcast episode. The point of me saying that is it can be, I have learned and experienced an incredibly powerful healing modality. So it's something that I would really encourage you to check out. And I'll link to the woman, Veronica, who I worked with, who I really, really enjoyed. She's based out of the UK. And I would highly recommend reaching out to her if you are thinking about this. The second piece is not necessarily a resource or a tool, but a realization that came from all of the work I've done in all of these years, but something that only just hit me as of the last few months, which is I would compare a lot. So as I said, there are like these times where I was healing different things and I was going through different protocols. And a lot of times I would get really thin during those protocols. And so I can see how after that, and I would get more to like my normal weight, I would constantly be looking back and comparing or seeing old photos of me being that thin and like just desperately wanting to be that thin again. And something that I really recognize, this has been happening looking back on 2020 is when I started the work that I, I still do now and where I'm, what I'm currently trying to find a balance with. Really, really deep detox work, really deep um, body healing work uh, from a nutritional standpoint and a detox standpoint. But again, the, the first, like up until my, all through my pregnancy too, like I, not that I was thin in my pregnancy, but like leading up to my pregnancy, um, I was the thinnest and fittest I had been since that first time I did the SIBO treatment many, many years before that. And in since um, having Weston, so for the last year, I would look back on who I was then. And I kept, I even said a lot of times, like, I'm trying to get back to 2020 Jess, I'm trying to get back to 2020 Jess. And in the last few weeks, I have really started to recognize that that version of me while she was thinner was also really unhealed and really still hurting. And the person I am today is so much more like when I think about myself now versus then, it's like, then I was standing on one foot and balancing. And now I'm standing on two feet, completely grounded in myself and who I am. That's kind of how I see it. And so I share this because if you find yourself maybe looking back to who you once were, how your body maybe looked however long ago. I encourage you to also consider how you are today mentally, emotionally, spiritually compared to how you were then. For me, I was like desperate to hold on to the way my body looked. I was eating such a rigid diet. I was not allowing myself really like any sort of fun or excitement around food or like eating things that I felt like I loved the way I ate because it was just the norm for me. But now that I'm bringing more stuff in, I'm like more getting back into that nurturing feeling of eating something that like just feels good to eat it. Like oatmeal is just one of those foods for me, but I didn't eat it because I don't normally do grains. So that was, that has been a really big piece for me is looking back at her and saying, gosh, I love her so much, 
but she was so unhealed. She had so much work still to do. She was still struggling so hard. And so I think in a way that's like this idea of maybe just broadening the lens more, like looking back at that version of myself and saying, yeah, she was thin, but a lot of other stuff was still really challenging for her. I was still trying to figure out like stuff with my business and like how to make new friendships. And, you know, I was a little bit lost in myself and still really discovering me. And all of that was an exciting time, but I'm grateful for where I am now and the work that I've done. And I'd rather be here in this space than there in that unhealed sort of dark place that I was in at the time. The third piece of this that's been really powerful for me, and this isn't something that you can just make happen. You really got to know you want it. But um, motherhood, becoming a mom has been a really powerful piece of this. I think there's a certain stability, confidence in myself that has come like for, for me, becoming a mom has just been one of the most natural things. And I have really like, without question or hesitation, really trusted my intuition so much every step of the way. I think a lot of that started in pregnancy and working with really incredible midwives who deeply encouraged me to trust my body and trust the process and know that it is so normal and healthy for our bodies. And with nothing coming up, no issues coming up, like I could really just trust the process. And for anyone who doesn't know, I had a beautiful, incredible home birth, unmedicated. uh, And I have a podcast episode on that as well, if you want to check that out. I think it's like episode 70 or 71. So there's an element of becoming a mom that I think has really, it's like, it's so hard to describe the feeling that I have now as a mom. It's like, it's like, I feel like energetically, like bigger in a way, like the, the, that sense of stability is like the only thing that I can really, that's like the only word I can use to describe it. But that's been a really big piece of this for me is motherhood. And another important piece has been getting more familiar with my food story and my food journey. So everything that I shared at the beginning of this episode were things that I hadn't really thought about before. But as I listened to more podcasts, which I've been like binging on different podcasts um, about this type of thing, I noticed that a lot of guests would like share their food story. And I thought to myself that I feel like is probably a really powerful exercise for me to really think about what's my food story, what are experiences and moments in my life where I've had certain connections with food or experiences that might be affecting where I'm at today. So for you, it might be a good idea for you to just sit down and like, I haven't even put pen to paper. This is all just sort of been floating around in my head. But if you wanted to put pen to paper, like really put down like, what is your food story? What's your history with food? What was it like as you were a child in high school, in your twenties, like they sort of like through the decades, what has been your experience with it? For me, that's been really helpful to, um, I think just like have a greater understanding of how I got where I am. So it feels, I feel less critical about it and more like, Hmm, that makes sense. You know? Another really big piece has been in listening to all of these podcasts episodes, podcasts is um, learning a new vocabulary around my experience 
And in hearing these stories and in hearing people talk about this, like feeling so seen and heard in a way that I never have before. And it's so funny to me because I've always been, I've been for my whole adult life, like a personal development junkie and a health and mental health junkie. And yet I've never listened to any podcasts about this or like read any books about like body image. Um, and yeah, specifically body image, I guess I would say. And it was only in the last few weeks that I've started doing that. I can't even remember what made me want to, but I looked for an episode, looked for a podcast about body image on Spotify. And one of the episodes that first caught my attention, I honestly was like crying listening to this while I was driving. I'm going to link to the episode in the show notes because it was so good. Um, it was with this uh, RD, um, Marcy, maybe I think it's Marcy Evans. And she, the whole episode is about this connection between gut health and digestive issues and body image. And I'd never, never really connected those two things, like clearly and consciously in my mind for myself, because as I have I've shared, gut health has been such a huge challenge for me and a really big part of my health journey. But then body image has really, I've noticed gone hand in hand and gotten worse as I've done more healing. And as I've worked more toward this like sense of like being cured and being healed. And so then I just like, I've just been listening to so many different episodes and two particular podcasts that I'm going to share that I recommend. There's so many out there, but these two that I really liked are food psych and the, I think it's just called the body image podcast. I actually think they're both on a hiatus right now, but both of them have so many past episodes that they don't need to be putting out new episodes for you to get good content. There's so much that I still haven't listened to that I want to, that I want to check out. So really like sinking into other people's experiences of this has, and, and listening to professionals talk about it, like professional dietitians, but specifically like anti-diet dietitians, which is I didn't know existed. Um, and, um, what's it called? Um, I think body acceptance at every size body, something at every size is another term that I've learned about. That's a big piece of this. And I've then from that took me to finding a lot of these different people who talk about intuitive eating and body image on Instagram. So I've been following a lot of new accounts and getting really great content there. So maybe you've already done this because why wouldn't you have, but if you haven't, I recommend checking out these podcasts and then like really just like sinking into this space where people are speaking a language that is like everything you've been thinking about that like you've maybe just felt really alone in. Like I didn't realize how alone I have felt in this experience and in this journey until recently. And the last resource that I'm going to share with you is intuitive eating. I actually just started the book. It's in its fourth edition. <clears throat> it was recommended to read the most recent edition you can because their language and the way they talk about stuff is a lot. Um, it really addresses the idea that a lot of people will take intuitive eating and turn it into another diet or turn it into another rigid protocol. And that's like the opposite of what it is meant for. So the most recent editions really focus on <clears throat> reminding you 
not to do that and teaching you how to really use it without turning it into just another protocol. Uh, But that's been really, really like, I think was, it's been really powerful for me because it's been a struggle for me to honor when I just desire something like cereal or oatmeal versus trying to focus on and take into account the things that I know. So like, I've also learned a lot in working with the people that I work with about food sourcing in the United States and toxicity and toxins in food. And so most grains, for example, the reason why I don't eat them is because almost every grain you'll get in the U S is just covered in and filled with glyphosate. Glyphosate is so bad for our body. It's in so many things that we eat. It's not just in grains, but that's one of the main places like food items that it's in. So that's why I choose not to eat it. Not because of the way my body looks or what it, or anything like that. Um, But with that being said, I'm like, how do I find a balance between, okay, I know that this has a lot of toxins in it and I want to avoid that. But I also want to honor when something just feels like it's going, like I have that intuitive feeling of like, this is going to feel good for me. For example, the other day, you can probably hear that I'm like a little clogged up. I'm a little congested. We had like Ben Weston and I had a little bout, like a two day little, two, three day little cold situation. And we were coming home and Ben was going to make, we were going to do spaghetti squash with ground beef and, and, um, tomato sauce, do a little spaghetti. And I was like, you know what? I just oatmeal sounds so nourishing right now. And I have, we happen to have oatmeal in the house or oats in the house because, um, I had bought them like two weeks earlier as like a treat for Ben because we've both been craving them. And I came home and I made a big bowl of oats with some blueberries and I put a little bit of almond butter in there. And it was, it honestly, every bite that I took was just like, this is what my body and soul needs right now. And it felt so, so, so good. And so this sense of finding the balance and for you, this balance is going to look different and it's going to, you're going to be balancing different things. But for me, it's been balancing like what I know of food and toxicity levels and what I want to put in my body based on that. And also allowing myself the things that intuitively feel really good. And that's what intuitive eating is all about. It's about nourishing your body. Like I saw, there's so many people who talk about and say like intuitive eating, like you're just going to eat all this crap, blah, blah, blah. But intuitive eating is not about, it's about choosing what feels most satisfying, but being really tuned into your body because sometimes what's most satisfying is an egg or is some good organic chicken or a salad. Like so many times I think like, God, salad sounds so good right now. Being really in tune with your body, knowing that maybe sometimes that's what you're going to want. And maybe sometimes you're going to want a bowl of cereal or a brownie or an extra slice of cake. And like knowing that that like honoring the full spectrum of what your body desires is what leads to that ultimate freedom. And I've only been doing this for like two weeks And it has, I can say it has been like an absolute game changer. It's been incredible for me. Even yesterday, I just went to the grocery store and I don't think I ever realized how much energy I spent at the grocery store thinking about treats and going back and forth between maybe I'll get this, maybe I won't, maybe I'll get this, maybe I won't. I'll like literally hold something in my hand and put it in my cart and then take it out of my cart 10 minutes later. So I'm like, I can't bring this home. I can't have this at the house. I'm going to eat it. And so uh, something that I've learned through this idea of intuitive eating and also 
um, in the podcast I've been listening to, I've been listening to a lot of stuff about eating disorder recovery, because I definitely know that my eating has become very disordered in all of these, over all of these years. And a big part of that is keeping what I've read about is keeping trigger foods in the house so that it becomes over time. It doesn't become a trigger because it's just there whenever you want it, whenever you need it and you care less about it. And you're able to then more tune into like, Oh, I do want this right now, or I don't want this right now. So this is like such a small snippet of intuitive eating and the overall like whole um, idea of it. And there's uh, the different, um, they don't call them pillars. I can't remember what they call them, but there's 10 of them in intuitive eating. I'm just like learning about them. I'm listening to the book through Spotify. Now they offer audiobooks. So I'm just getting through listening to that part about like the different pillars or I can't think of the name for it of intuitive eating. But if this sounds like something that resonates for you, if you're really wanting to find a way to create more of that balance so you can feel more at peace and like eat the things that feel good, but really learn how to trust your body and your cues and satiety, satiety, how do you say that word? Um, I would highly, highly recommend looking into this. Uh, And there's tons and tons of podcast episodes out there about this stuff. I would just recommend when you're looking at podcasts, really looking for people that associate as like anti-diet dietitians um, or functional nutritionists, but like that anti-diet dietitian, I think is really, really important because the way they talk about this stuff and you know that they're coming from a lens of like holistic body and health and mind and spirit and not just from like the nutritional standpoint. Because for me, at least I think it's been important to be able to think about it. I've only thought about the nutrition piece for so long. So bringing in that whole other side of things has been really important for me in terms of like really moving forward and being able to find that balance. So that's everything I have for you. That is a little bit about my story. I'm happy to share more if this resonates. And I will definitely, I'm sure as I continue on this journey, um, I'll share more. I might do a whole episode once I get more familiar with intuitive eating and my experience with it. Um, But in the meantime, check the show notes. I'm going to share lots of links in there for you so you can dig into some of these resources for yourself. And if this has felt supportive, share it with someone who you think you know, might need to hear this for me, hearing these stories has been so powerful and so helpful for me and this leg of my journey. And so I want to make sure anyone who you think needs to hear this, um, definitely gets their hands on it so they can feel heard and seen and get resources that might be supportive for them. So thank you so much for being here with me, listening to me, and I will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.